Hello and welcome to Making Movements, where we meet people doing good and listen to the music they love. On the show today, we're very lucky to have Setu Zansi joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Sipo Setu Zansi. I go by Setu and my name actually means our gift. I am from South Africa where I'm working as a physiotherapist. I've been doing that for the past three to four years. Um, in the public health care sector, um, but I've also founded a non-profit organization called AMPT, which is basically dedicated towards um, helping kids with uh, lower limb amputations get prosthetics, stay in school. So it's just an all-round holistic way of helping the children out. And our key points are just to empower, support and create opportunities. Yeah, and I heard about your work through a program that we're both on called Unite 2030. And as soon as I heard some of the stories you had to tell, I was really keen to get you on the show. So I'm so glad that you're joining us. You've brought five tracks with you, which I'm very excited to listen to. And as always, we like to start all the way back at the beginning to find out a little bit about why you do what you do. So let's let's talk about that that first song, Hugh Masakela. Why have you picked that tune? Um, so my initial exposure to music was through what uh, people around me were listening to, mostly the elders, because they were obviously choosing whatever music was happening. So um, the music was either always something religious, someone was singing some church songs or it's apartheid songs, you know, struggle songs, um, or it would just be just the general music that you'd hear um, from South African artists, which are your Hughes, your Brenda Farsis, your Miriam Makebas. So I think my my initial exposure and just what I started listening to was based off what I heard growing up and um, and through all these events and just whatever was happening in the house, there was always music going. And Hugh was one of the first artists that stuck out to me um, and I really enjoyed his music. And, and I think these were the first like songs that kind of stuck with me and, and that I thoroughly enjoyed and I took with me. And they, they're so timeless, um, especially his, even today, they're so relevant and there's still that enjoyment that you get from listening to it. And it's just a piece of childhood as well that you can still enjoy at this time. So yeah, so he's, his music has been quite a gem and it's played quite a, a, a big role in, in just my transition from childhood to adulthood.
So when I think of growing up, it's a it's a mixture of different things. It's 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 very family orientated. I mean, not only your immediate family. Um, I think within any usual black family, you're just surrounded by cousins and uncles and and just so many extended members of families that are basically viewed as your family. So um, there's there was a lot of church going, a lot of um, events. Uh, and and a lot of family time, um, and that's what that's what I recall the most. And for uh, the small bit of my childhood, I lived with my grandparents for a bit, which is also um, quite the norm this side. And um, and I think within those years, it was it was really nice to to have those years with with grandparents, which now that you look back on, there's such quality moments that obviously you weren't quite aware of then um, but I think now it, it's such a pivotal moment that you can reflect on so so that was my childhood filled with many cousins some some actually aren't even your cousins but I think within South African culture there's such a like uh, an adoption um, culture where everyone becomes family and and that's where that's where things were and there was always music there was always um, food and so it, it's always been very a very intimate moments and whether they were just everyone sitting together storytelling listening to music playing games um, but the nature of, of, of childhood was uh, togetherness and and just spending time with with the people that you you love You're really talking about a, a, a slice of time, aren't you? When you're growing up and you're listening to the music that, that the elders were picking for you. And I wonder, is, is there a, a point where that kind of influence led you to what you're doing today in your work? I think as you growing up, um, you kind of see that there's problems around you, um, more especially in South Africa. Uh, it, it's very noticeable. There's no way you can just go about and, and say that some things you weren't aware of, they're very in your face. The poverty is very much in your face. Um, the, you know, educational problems are very much in your face. And um, just because our parents were actually directly uh, impacted and they lived through the apartheid era, uh, it's it's hard to also just kind of move on from that because you hear a lot of the conversations about what they experienced, um, just the brutality and the discrimination, racism and 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 so forth. Uh, and so for me, I just realized that there are problems and there's no ways we can just be sitting around and, you know, kind of turn a blind eye to them because it just perpetuates the problems. It just keeps happening. So I, I don't know, but I, I can't express an actual moment where the pin dropped, but I think it's a build up of, I, I can't just be sitting, you know, and just waiting for something to happen at some point. I have to be the one who goes and, and you know, makes the change.
the song you've picked is John Mayer, Waiting on the World to Change. So how does that tie in? Um, so yeah, so as I was saying that uh, just the just the seeing um, of what's happening around you and not necessarily feeling helpless at that point because as I was young, you see these things, you don't know what you can do. Um, but as you grow older, you, you want to take rein and you want to make an impact and there's no longer that um, I want to sit back and see what's going to, to happen because ultimately the only way you can change is, is, is through action. And I think it's just pointed out so nicely in the song, you know, is one day our generation is going to rule the population. And I think I'm now at that stage where I'm, I'm still regarded as the youth, but it, it is our time. Um, and, you know, there's, there's no more sitting around and waiting because nothing will get better from, from the waiting. And we've got to take hold of, of our world and you know change it if we want to if we want to see it get better and and i think that's just the message that i take on and you know there's there's no more sitting and waiting we we have to we have to be the ones who who take reign of it and bring about the change and so how did you find what your niche was within it all there's so many different challenges you're growing up in a society that has a lot of issues that you've talked about how did you land upon the impact that that you're having now? This is actually a good question. I I'm actually someone who just gets overwhelmed by everything, but I think uh, it stems from just where I thought my profession led, and that was through health. I have always been into um, you know health related issues, and and that was that was a, an, an an interest that I just just went with in terms of going to varsity and studying. And thereafter, you come and you have to serve, um, you have to do community service here. So um, I initially had met a kid uh, who had a lower limb amputation, and he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, we basically didn't have to do any rehab on him. He was he was so good. I think it was maybe two days post-surgery, he was hopping around, walking, jumping. I mean, we do a series of tests to check if they qualify for a prosthetic, which is still actually a problem to, to access. So even after all these tests and you let them know that they qualify, they can wait for so long. So for me, the penny just dropped that day, um, specifically with the work that I'm doing now with the organization, that it shouldn't be this hard. Um, people shouldn't have, you know, these issues that happen that are out of their control, and then they, they're able to meet the criteria which is set and then they still can't access what they need to make their life more accessible because at the end of the day, these issues become, um, you know, a domino effect. If, if they can't now walk, they can't access certain places, they end up in non-mainstream schools, which is another problem entirely. Um, and then ultimately it just, you know, poverty just becomes then this vicious cycle. And, and for me, that was... That was the moment where I was like, there's no ways this kid can just go home with no other no other assistance except for what he can do already, which, I mean, no one needed to teach him. It was something that he was able to do. And and that's just the the picture that I've seen now of, of children with low limb amputations is how resilient they are and just how easily they adapt. 
and all they need is just that extra bit of, of assistance in terms of access, and that's firstly through a prosthetic leg. And, and for me, once they get that, I mean, the possibilities are endless. They are now able to walk um, without you know, needing crutches necessarily. They can partake in schooling efficiently, um, and there's no physical barriers that they can't um, you know, overcome. It's amazing to hear about how people find their their purpose. I think it's it's such an important question and one that we we're not often encouraged to to ask ourselves you know when we're growing up when we're at school but the fact that you've you found it um and you know it's clearly it's had a massive impact i'd love to know if there is is a particular child or children that have really had an impact on on you um and a bit a little bit about them um so yes so i think um there are a few kids who um you know, it's different causes of how they end up with an amputation. And I think just the causes themselves are, are just astounding. And how they they manage to just keep going is, I, I, I don't even know. Um, if I look back from some of the kids I've had contact with, uh, one of them had um, burns from a, a felt fire and both legs were completely burnt and they had to get the amputation and just the story that you hear um, families talking about is how from the child burning to them needing to be at the hospital, they didn't have an ambulance and you know they had to be carried on the backs of a grandmother and, uh, and maybe another neighbor. And you know the distance between where the home is and where the hospital is can be up to like an hour's walk. So just, just those stories that you hear, it's... It can get very disheartening, um, but you just see how how they recover so quickly and how they adapt so quickly, and and it's just I don't know, it's just amazing, and and I just can't I can't foresee how someone can just look away from that and be like, okay, so this happened, goodbye. Whereas you know they're just showing their resilience without even being prompted, and it's just how they just keep moving on. And, and for me, that's just not how it should be. People shouldn't just have to roll with the punches. I mean, the world is filled with problems and we, we should be fixing them. And um, one, one for me is that, you know, these, these children have, have such a resilience and that's, that's the one thing that I just look and I, and I just think someone has to tap into that and just help build that up.
with this song, I kind of was thinking about how my passion should far outweigh, and it does actually far outweigh the hurdles um, that, you know, play in my mind. There's the fear. I mean, you don't know if what you're doing is actually going to be successful, um, you know, in whatever way you measure success. But uh, I want to to find my voice and, you know, find my place within the work that I'm doing because in as much as there's all the work that has to be done at the end of the day, you can lose so much of yourself um, through what you think should be done. Um, and at the same time, I do recognize that what I'm thinking won't necessarily always be 100% perfect, but it's important to keep going. It's important to keep going. It's important to keep myself, you know, liberated in the work that I do and keep the passion and the work and, you know, what the founding values were um, in order to, to make everything a possibility. So, uh, you know, I want to continuously work on myself and continuously set myself free in, you know, this is what I'm doing and, and there's no set criteria of how, this is how it's actually supposed to be. You're not doing well. At the end of the day, starting to make the change is important and that's where I'm at. How do you remind yourself then of, of why you're doing what you're doing in those moments when it gets really tough? Um, so yeah, so as I said, things can get very overwhelming and, um, you know, you can just get so despondent if you're just waiting on, on, you know, answers about certain things, you're looking for funding and you can always look at the negative side. But I'm, I also just always want to remind myself that at the end of the day, I am human myself and there's certain things that I don't want to let go of within myself that keep, you know, that keep me alive and they keep me joyful. And, and part of them is, um, you know, celebrating the, the small victories um, within the work or just in life in itself and kick off your shoes and, <laughs> and dance a little. And I think that's what the next song was about. Um, just the picture that it paints you know dancing in the moonlight and just just the freedom within it and you know just dancing itself is just a, a just a nice idea or a nice picture of setting free letting loose and and coming back to who you are we get it almost every night
what's next for you then? What's on, on your horizon? So, <laughs> I'm always thinking, I'm always, you know, working on the next thing. And um, at the moment, I think I want to focus a lot on the organization. I think my attention sometimes gets quite divided. You know, the, the grounding work is there and yeah, so now there's a bit of a waiting game, but at the same time now, within that waiting, I want to make each day, you know, a good day. And, and I think manifesting that day is just an important, now becoming an important part of, hey, look, this is a new day, new opportunities, new things coming to hand. And um, while there's lots of things in the world, lots of problems, I can't take them all on my shoulders. I can get very anxious about a lot of things. Um, so now I'm just trying to, you know, look at each day and you know what? And just say, I'm going to make this the best day of my life, which is why I've chosen the next track. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect intro and a great way to uh, great way to end the show. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna end it with the best day of my life by American authors. But there's one question that I'd like to ask you before we go, and that is a question we ask all our guests: Who inspires you? So I think for me, much of my inspiration comes from my grandfather. Um, so he's now a 93 year old man, and I just I've always said that I am so much like him um, and I, I would just love to evolve more into him. He's been such a hardworking man um, throughout and just just that work ethic itself is something that I, I've always wanted to take on. Uh, but you know, if I look back on the things that he's done and um, the things he's achieved with very minimal education he's made an impact. And I think sometimes we, we associate the impact of the work that we do to maybe educational goals or, you know, these lavish achievements that so many people, um, you know, get. But at the, at the end of the day, the, the realistic picture is that there's people who aren't educated, who also have a place in society, who also have the capabilities to make that change and who should be a part of these conversations because they're also just as impacted. And I think their voice is also important. He's made an impact with the little resources that he's, um, he's had. And I think at the end of the day, it boils down to that, to that empathy, that kindness and its values that I see in him um, that I would love to impart in my life as well. Love it. He sounds like a great guy. And uh, I love to hear that you're carrying the torch for him. Thank you so much, Setu Zanzi, for joining us. I think that's us. I think that's a wrap. Thank you for having me.